At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. Well, I want to begin this morning uh, with a story. It's a story that happened to Bonnie and I when we were in the middle of uh, my seminary education. Now, for those of you who don't know that word, are not familiar with the concept of seminary, what that basically is is grad school for pastors, okay? So that's the scenario, that's the setting. And if you ask anyone who's ever gone to seminary, they will tell you that it is a good and rich experience. And all of you are saying, well, pastor, I certainly hope that going to seminary where you study God's word and theology was a good and rich experience. Well, it was. But what most people don't mention about that season of time are the long hours, the heavy amount of stress, and the financial burden that often accompanies young families as they uh, head off into the seminary experience. And so... What I'm going to share with you is a huge source of encouragement in that setting, in that particular environment. One afternoon, I went to the mailbox on our campus, and that's where you typically would go to get your returned papers or your assignments, and uh, you would find out, you'd pull out that little thing and see how you did. And, uh, And instead, I went to the mailbox this particular day, and there was an envelope there. And in that envelope was a personalized note of encouragement. It said something to the effect of that they were grateful for my faithfulness in study. They were encouraging me in my preparation for pastoral ministry and in my calling. Obviously, that's significant. But that wasn't it. There was also a note that highlighted something else, something a little bit different. The writers of this note, whom I don't know still to this day who it was, they explained that God had, in fact, blessed them. And because of this blessing, they wanted to pay it forward. They wanted to bless someone else from the overflow, from the blessing that they had received. So included in that envelope was not only that note of encouragement, but was a a sizable certified check. You might see how that would be an encouragement to somebody who's on that journey through seminary. But there was also an exhortation for Bonnie and for me to basically move into that space where we would then in turn pay it forward. Now I realize I'm not the only person, we're not the only people who ever have experienced the pay it forward scenario. Maybe some of you have experienced in our culture today. It seems to be kind of a thing on the rise. You see it all the time on social media where, hey, I went to Starbucks and the person in front of me paid for my Starbucks. That's one way of paying it forward. And then other times you might be able to make a grocery run for a shut-in or for someone who can't do that on their own. Sometimes it includes making a meal and dropping it off for someone who's going through a difficult season. There are many different ways that you can pay it forward. Many of you are familiar with these as you've seen them grow on social media. But what I want you to know is that this pay it forward kind of idea is not just something that started in this social media age that we're in. Pay it forward actually has deep roots in the Word of God. In fact, it's 
all over the Scriptures. And what we're going to find today is we look to an Old Testament writing. We're going to help see the significance of what it means for us to pay it forward out of the blessing that you and I have received because it will have far-reaching kingdom consequences. So before we turn to that text, let's pray together. Gracious God, we are humbled that you have invited us here to be led by young people before your throne. We might sing your praises because you are worthy of those. You are worthy of our attention. You are worthy of our singing and our proclaiming your truth in song. But God, you are also worthy of our attention now as we turn our minds and our focus to the truth of your word. God, we acknowledge that your word is true. In a culture that is lacking truth in many arenas, we can rest on the fact that your word is true. It's truth. But God, we need eyes to see this truth today, so we ask for that. We need ears to hear this truth then we need the courage that it's going to take to live out this truth in the week ahead. And so we humbly ask for this through the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we are closing out our brief sermon series titled Built for More. And what we've been doing is learning about how God has uniquely equipped each of us individually and then put us together as the body of Christ so that we would do a massive global work for his glory. That's what we're equipped to do, and that's what it means that we are built for more. We're learning what it means for God's church to move beyond simply our preferences or our styles or our personal desires, but recognizing that we have been built for more. So let's go ahead and grab our Bibles. Let me encourage you to uh, turn to Psalm 67. Psalm 67, if you're reading it out of the ESV translation uh, that we use here at the church, it is 481. That's the page number you're going to find it on. Again, Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Amen. The psalmist has just spelled it out for us, hasn't he? God blesses his people for the good of the nations. God blesses his people for the good of the nations. If you don't know what this looks like and you are maybe doubting what the psalmist is saying here, we need to maybe reevaluate our hearts a bit. Because what he's communicating is that this blessing is not just for personal gain or for selfish enjoyment. 
this passage is one of many passages in the Word of God that highlight the truth that God blesses His people so that we would in turn be a blessing to others. As we take a closer look at Psalm 67, we're going to find that even the structure of the writing holds great significance for us as we understand that reality. Now, here's what I mean, and I'm going to get a little theological on you, a little seminary-ish on you for a moment. This is one of the many psalms that's written in what's called a chiastic structure. Now, here's what this means. Oftentimes, when someone writes, they, they begin with a paragraph, it's A, and then they move to B, and then they move to C, and then they move to D, and then they finally get to E. Everybody got that? What was it again? Excellent. All right, this psalm is different. This psalm goes a little bit like this. You have A, then you have B, and then you have C, and then you have B, and then you have A. A, B, C, B, A. I said, well, why would you write something in such a form? It's an inverted parallel form. Again, it's called a chiasm. Now, the reason a writer would do that is because we're trying to funnel you to the center of the text because the center of the text is where the meat is. The center of the text is the purpose of that particular writing. So what happens in A and B guides us into C, and then it is then supported by B and A again. Everybody got that? Should I try again? A, B, C. Excellent. You might say, well, why does that matter so much? What's the significance of that in Psalm 67? Because what we clearly see at the center of this is the emphasis on the nations. The nations. The psalm begins by looking at God's blessing. That's how it begins and that's how it ends. But in the center, we see the desire of God to have the nations be glad. Now, some of us who might be a bit skeptical about that if you're watching the news, there's a lot of angst, there's a lot of strife, there's a lot of injustices in our world. And you might say, well, Pastor, that seems like a huge disconnect from reality, that the nations would be glad. I don't see it. This God who you say offers peace and hope and joy for all people, I don't see it. As we dig deeper in today's text, we're going to see how it actually happens in our world. It's going to see your role in that as you and I walk faithfully with our God. So let's take another look at our text. Let's begin at verses 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Now, if you've been here at the White Lake campus for any length of time, I certainly hope that verse 1 sounds a little familiar to you. You see, those are the same words that I often reference when I give you the benediction at the end of the service comes from Numbers chapter 6, and it says, The Lord, when he spoke to Moses, he said these words, Speak to Aaron, 
and to his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel, and you shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Verse 27, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel. I'll put my name on my chosen people and I will bless them. You see, God gave Moses those words, and he said, tell Aaron, who is a priest, and his sons, who are in that priestly category, and what I want you to do is I want you to speak to my people, my chosen people, and give them the blessing. Today's text. Psalm 67, what the psalmist is doing doing is he is invoking that same phrase for us to see the heart of God, to bless his people, to bless his people with a rich spiritual blessing. So we've looked at verses 1 and 2. That's A. Let's go to verses 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall do what? He shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So the psalmist closes out this particular writing with an emphasis on how God has, in fact, blessed his people with his presence and with his provision. He's given that to us. Once again, the narrative, not only in verses 1 and 2, but here in 6 and 7, is again blessing. It's blessing. God desires to bless his people. He desires that his way would be experienced and that ultimately salvation would be known in him throughout the earth. And so church family, this gives us the first of three ways that believers can be a blessing to the nations. The first way is that when you and I pray for God's blessing of the nations, that you and I would, are called, in fact, to pray for the blessing of the nations. So as you and I have seen right there in this prayer uh, in, in Psalm 67, which is considered a prayer, the focus of that is rooted in Numbers chapter 6. So we read it in Psalm 67. It's rooted in Numbers 6. But to have the significance of the undergirding foundation, you have to go back a little farther and understand the depth and the significance of something called a covenant. It's a promise that God makes with Abram, a man that we know as Abraham. Here's the word, here are the words of Genesis chapter 12. God says, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In God's calling of Abraham, what you and I find is his purpose, that the entire or that the whole earth would be blessed through his chosen people. So that means you and I should pray for that. That means you and I should actively seek this out in our world. We should live in such a way to be a blessing to others. 
want to break it down for you and give you a little analogy. An old pastor friend of mine used to refer to this as pipe and bucket theology. He would regularly remind our congregation, he said, God did not call you to be a bucket, to take your bucket and to put it under the faucet of God's blessing and then just soak it up. It's not what he called you to do. He called you to be a conduit of God's blessing, to be a pipe, something that water would rush through, that the blessing would be free-flowing from our lives to others' lives. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to be a bucket. We're called to be a pipe. So let's continue on in our text. We've seen A. Now we're going to move to B. B is found in verses 3 and 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. That's verse 3. Here comes verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Sound familiar? They're identical, and they do that because they serve as a refrain in this chiastic structure that I'm talking about. So you have blessing on either side, then you get to the middle, and it's sort of like a chorus in your favorite song. You guys know what this is about. You're listening on the radio, you hear that favorite song, it's going through the first verse, and you're going, you kind of know the words, but then it hits the chorus, and you know those. You can belt those out, right? That's the catchy part of the song. That's the chorus. You mumble your way through the first part, grab a couple words, probably get a couple of them wrong, but when you get to the chorus, you know what you're talking about. That's what's happening here in verses 3 and 5. This is a chorus as part of Psalm 67, and it is one for the, that calls the nations to praise God. We are called to praise him. And this highlights the second of three ways that believers are called to be a blessing to the nations. When you and I call for God's praise among the nations, when you and I call for the praise of God among the nations. Church, the psalmist is casting a clear vision here. He desires for God's name to be praised among all nations. Every people... Every tribe, every tongue, every language, make no mistake about it. This is a global call. Now let me hit the pause button right now. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Right now in our culture, we are very divided on a lot of things. What he's talking about here is that there would be praise on this side as well as praise on this side. church, it is a global call. It's a call for the people who don't yet know Christ. I don't believe there's been anyone who has written a quote that captures this so succinctly as Pastor John Piper in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Here's what Piper writes. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions exists because worship doesn't. And so that's why as a church, Woodside has sent teams all over the world in recent years. We've sent many people even from our campus to India, to Thailand, to the Ukraine, the Dominican. We sent them all over. Why? 
so that God would be praised in these foreign lands. That's the goal. Now, in the summer of 2019, Woodside sent a team to a place called the Ukraine, and uh, I had the privilege of going there, and what we did is we partnered with a local church as they held a summer camp for kids throughout their region. Uh, One of the other members of that team was a man named Bill Bain. Bill is one of our elders, and I want to invite Bill to come on up and join me here. As Bill is coming up, I want to set the context for you a little bit. If you're not familiar with Ukraine, I know you hear about it in the news a fair bit. Hi, Bill. Uh, I know you hear about it in the news a little bit, but some of us might not know where it is geographically. It's between Eastern Europe and Russia. Now, the significance of that is it used to be part of the former Soviet Union. Ukraine has rich, deep soil, beautiful countryside, some of the most kind, warm-hearted people you will ever meet. But for many years, there was not much gospel advancement because of communism. I'm not saying that gospel wasn't advancing. It was just squashed a bit in the sense of worship happening. Gospel movement, you could say, was limited. So, Bill, I've invited you to come up here because you are a guy who's been a believer for many years, and yet last summer was your first trip. What moved you to go to the other side of the world? Thank you. Um, One of the things that Pastor didn't mention is the team that went uh, primarily was from this church. And so we went as a family. Now, in my family, my wife and I, Lisa, we have two kids, uh, David and Patricia, and they had been on trips before, and they would come back and tell me. And I had friends who had gone on trips before, and they'd come back, and they're like, you need to do this. You need to go over there and meet family members you have never met before. You need to go over there and encourage. I think there's something in the Bible about encouraging each other up. Something like that. Something like that. In the Word, you need to go over there and encourage and come alongside family members you've never met and to share the gospel. And to come alongside and, and to meet them and to meet their family, your extended family. And so I went because I felt it was a mandate called by God that God calls us to this. There's somewhere in the Bible that God calls us to this. Now, Bill, you and I have talked about this a number of times kind of offline um, about the impact Uh, We continue to stay in touch with the pastor there. He sends us photos of what's happening at their church. Uh, It's a very cool thing that uh, that God is doing there. But I know that this was not just a trip for you. This is a trip that sort of captured your heart. What is the significance of it? Why did that trip matter in the grand scheme of things? Well, the one thing that captured my heart, look at these kids, okay? If If you're a parent... Uh, you know, I, we, we've been blessed to have children, and if you have been blessed also to have children, spiritually speaking, when you, you know, if you come here and work with the kids here, when you look at kids, you see them as spiritually your children too. And so to go over and to meet these kids and to encourage them up because they are spiritually part of our family, um, and just absolutely grabbed my heart to see them and to meet them and to share the gospel with them. We, we come over there as the Americans. And if, if, if that's what it takes to go over there and say, we're just like you, we're part of that family, that's what really grabbed me and cha- really changed my eyes and opened my eyes to that. Oh, 
awesome. Well, Bill, thanks for your faithfulness. Appreciate you. And we're going to do the awkward side hug. Side hug. The guy side Basketball. hug. Basketball. So uh, would you guys thank Bill? You know, Bill mentioned that many of that team were from our campus. And I know it was Bill's desire and my desire and Shelly's desire and everyone on the team's desire that we would proclaim the gospel, that we would share the blessing that we have in Christ with kids and adults alike. And we did this because God has blessed us. Not necessarily with financial blessing, but he's blessed us with what we have in Jesus Christ. And you and I then are called to share that with the world. We are the ones who are called to proclaim that there is forgiveness and grace and mercy in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's us. We are the ones who are called to take the gospel outward to tell of Jesus and him crucified for our sin. That's us. We are the ones who are to take the blessing that we have of a relationship with Christ, forgiveness, and take it across the street to our neighbors. To take it to the office next to ours to tell our neighbors and to tell those on the other side of the world and everywhere in between because God deserves to be praised because worship needs to happen. Now finally, let's move on to the center of our chiastic structure and get to verse 4. It says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. That's the heart cry of the psalmist. He desires that the nations would enjoy, would celebrate what he has experienced. He wants them to have gladness in their hearts, to be singing and proclaiming with joy. With joy. But then the question is, well, how can that happen? You see, the psalmist understood that it takes place when we understand the rule and the reign of God. As God brings his justice into our lives, we understand the significance of the penalty that Christ paid for us. We then will carry that out and help people understand the rule and the reign of Christ. And this gives us the third way that you and I can be a blessing to the nations today. When we celebrate God's rule over the nations. When you and I celebrate God's rule over the nations. Now I know, and I'm not tone deaf to the cultural context that we find ourselves. That when you mention the word rule, it might stir something up in people. It might seem a little bit intense. I want to tell you today, it is not. It is not because what we know to be true of our God. You see, our God rules in the now and the not yet. He rules right here, right now. He is sovereign over all that is happening in our world today. And he is going to rule in the eternal kingdom forever. That's the now and the not yet. 
So all the angst, all the strife, all of that that we're seeing in our culture today will be redeemed because of the now and the not yet of our Savior. So church family, Psalm 67, it begins with blessing and it ends with blessing. It calls men and women and children to praise God and for all God's people to be a blessing to others. So that means you, right here in White Lake. That means you who live in Waterford. That means those of us who live in Highland or Holly. That means Commerce and Clarkston. All who live in those areas, you and I are called to be a blessing. So here's what it looks like. You and I are called to be a blessing both locally and globally. We do that when we pay forward the blessing that we have received. Why? So that the nations might be glad and sing for joy. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.